This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Hallelujah. So we're on the series of Creation's Earnest Expectations. We're talking about um, the way why God created the world the way it is from Scripture. We're looking at the Christian perspective for why things are the way they are. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So it is not strange the Bible says that you are not crazy. The Bible says that you are not crazy for feeling that this world is not right. Do you understand that? You are not crazy for feeling like this world is not right, like something is wrong. It doesn't feel right the way the world is. You are not crazy. You are not crazy for feeling like this, that things don't feel right. You are not crazy. Right? So... But there is a reason why he had to do it like this for now. There's a reason why the world has to be like this for now. And the reason why the world has to be like this for now, we are, sh- we are checking from the scriptures, and we can see that those reasons are actually really good reasons. They are really good reasons. They are reasons that are strong. They are reasons that make, fe- make sense. They are reasons that can give us hope. They are reasons that we can stand firm on. There are reasons that we can believe in, right? Um, and so that's what we've been looking at for the last two weeks. We even said, we're not, we began by talking about the problem of evil. Why is there suffering in this world? Why is there evil in this world? Why is there evil in this world? And, um, you know, the we began by saying that, but, you know, people ask, people often say that if God is good and if God is all-powerful, then there should be no evil in this world. Hallelujah. I will try to show from scripture that the fundamental problem with that thinking is that it has equated suffering with evil. That's the fundamental problem with that thinking. You have equated suffering with evil. Suffering does not necessarily mean evil. And we saw that the limitation that God put on creation, which is in two things, like we said, mortality, man's mortality, and the limited resources of the earth. Those things, is, those things are the two manifestations of the limitation, the futility that God subjected creation to. And the reason was because the, in order for humanity and all of creation to be able to achieve its purpose and find God, it was necessary that human beings for this time go through mortality. Mortality is the reason why we see all the things that we see. All the suffering in the world, all the evil in the world, in quotes, are all the result of one single fact, that we are mortal. If we're no mortal, we won't have all this suffering, right? And so when people say that um, the suffering in this world is too much and everything, it, what they're really saying is you are asking to be immortal. You don't want to partake in mortality, you understand? And so that's the reason why, you know, the whole world is the way it is. And so every, the, the flow with that thinking... It's basic, one simple basic fact. Suffering does not necessarily mean evil. And suffering is the fruit of our mortality. 
and our mortality is necessary in this world. Hallelujah. As entities capable of good and evil, as entities capable of good and evil, our mortality in this world is necessary. Is necessary. Hallelujah. So we're going to move on. I'm going to answer, I'm going to look at the scriptures to answer another question. And the question, the question is popularly shaped, is popularly tagged the question of divine hiddenness, the problem of divine hiddenness. And the question goes thus, if God exists, why doesn't he show himself more? It's a good question, isn't it? Um, it's a good question if you're thinking from a certain level. If God is real, why doesn't he show himself more? If God is real, why don't he just put something in the sky that says, I am real? You know, and because of that, everybody would know that God exists. Do you understand? So, and that question usually comes in two ways, right? The, there are two ways that usually question usually comes. There are sometimes, some people will say that there's actually no evidence. There's no proof that God exists at all. You know, there's no proof that God exists, and therefore, God does not exist. But there's a problem with that thinking. The problem with that thinking is um, that is usually wrong. That's the idea is easy to... It's easy to debunk. Do you understand? It's easy to debunk. The idea that God does not exist at all because there's no evidence for God. The first thing you have to first thing about that thinking is that you cannot say there's no evidence for God unless you have searched everywhere and you have searched all time. Do you understand that? You cannot say there's no evidence for God in this whole world. Have you searched everywhere in this world? Until you have searched everywhere in this world, until you have searched all time then you cannot say God does not exist. The best you can say is that um, you can't even say that anything. You can't say God does not exist because you can't say there's no evidence so God does not exist. It does not make sense. Do you understand? Because you have to search everywhere. You cannot say something does not exist because you can't see any proof of it or evidence for it. And you now say that it does not exist because of that. And then you have to search everywhere to be sure that there's really no evidence anywhere that you know God does not exist. Hallelujah. So you know, so it doesn't make sense. That's that's idea that there is no proof for God in this world. That's the, the first answer is clearly that it does not make sense to say that. The second answer, which is the you know, which is another very important answer, is that there is actually evidence. There is proof that God exists. There is proof that God exists. There is proof that God exists. One of the proofs that we have is something we call natural theology. When you look into the world, when you look into creation, when you look into all that exists, right, the evidence leans in favor of intentionality, not an accident. This is the reason why most humanity, for all of humanity, have, have just assumed that God exists or some gods exist. Do you understand? For you to now come and say there's no evidence for God is strange because you're trying to assume that you are wiser or you are better than all the human beings that have ever existed or that will ever exist or are still existing. People are looking into the world and seeing the world and they are coming to the conclusion that the evidence suggests that there's intentionality. You cannot say there's no evidence because they believe that the evidence is strong. Do you understand that? For example, the universe began to exist. This is a very interesting fact that many people don't know, that in the 1960s, most of the atheist philosophers and scientists were angry with the idea, they were angry with the suggestion that um, the universe 
had a beginning. Before the 1960s, you know what scientists believed? They believed in something called an infinite regression of things. That means that they believed that the world did not, the universe did not have a beginning, that the universe has always existed and will always exist. That is what they believed before. And one of the reasons why they deemed, why they believed that is because if they agreed that the universe began to exist, it would make them feel like the Bible was correct all along. Guess what? Science now proved that the universe began to exist. So when science pro began to prove that the universe began to exist, when Hubble and you know Albert Einstein did his um, calculations, theory of relativity that proved that the universe had an infinite past and a singularity, and Hubble telescope showed back, um, background microwaves, and that the world is expanding, and all those kinds of things. And we finally have enough evidence to prove that the universe began to exist. A lot of atheist philosophers actually kicked against it because they didn't like the idea. They, a lot of them said then that this thing makes sounds like the book of Genesis, where we're trying to lean into what Christ, but they could not fight the truth. They could not fight the truth. When you think of the fact that the universe began to exist, it suggests to you intentionality. And that's why the um, whole Kalam cosmological arguments came about to be that everything that began to exist, uh, everything that began to exist has a cause. The universe has a cause. And that cause is the creator. Do you understand? So, you know, when you look at that, it leans, the universe beginning to exist leans in favor of intentionality. If not, we'll have to try to explain how did the universe come about to be. And I know there are so many um, there are philosophical arguments, kineko, uh, ex nihilo, and all those kinds of things that people are just using to deceive themselves. See, everything still boils to the fact that, see, the evidence, it is more rational. You have to actually go out of your way. You have to be really smart and really do a lot of gymnastics for you to tell everybody that the universe beginning to exist leans more in favor of an accident than intentionality. Do you understand that? It, it doesn't make sense because why did it just start? We don't see things happen by accident. It is intuitively, it does not happen to us. By our human experiences, we don't see it. And that's where we judge evidence. We judge evidence by our experiences. We judge evidence by things that are satisfying to our minds. So, for, you know, you have to be really smart. You have to be necessarily smart to try to prove that the beginning of the universe was just an accident. It just blew as something happened. Do you understand that? And then when we're now going to the debate, when we're now going to other things like the fine-tuning of the universe, of our, of our planet for life, oh, my God, the evidence is insane. This is something that you guys need to do some research in, the fine-tuning argument. You need to do a lot of research into this. There are so many layers and layers and layers and layers of extreme fine-tuning that had to happen for this universe, for our planet, to be able to contain life. From even the beginning of the universe, when it exploded at a singularity, the chances that the, a universe, a stable universe like ours would come out of it was very slim that the kind of atoms and elements that came out of it would be exactly stable like we have it, were very slim. As if that's not bad enough, it gave us an Earth, a Earth, a, a Earth that is in a solar system that is very unlikely. A solar system that is arranged in such a way that even Jupiter, the planets that are around us, 
uh, uh, in our solar system in such, in, in, a, in such an arrangement that as meteorites and other things that could destroy the Earth are coming, Jupiter is constantly, you know, hitting them and attracting them away from the Earth. When you look at life on planet Earth, Ebiogenesis, how did, they, how did the first cell come about to be? It does not make sense. You can't just say it was in a hot soup. And then elements came together. And then those elements, those amino acids became longer and longer and longer. And you know, into the DNA. By the time you look at the human DNA or any kind of DNA, the extreme complexity. By the time you look at cellular level of life, oh God, the complexity is insane. The complexity, the level of complexity is, is so insane. The probability of such complexity coming out or even the time that the world has is insane. The probability is too insane. And intuitively, we know by experience that when the probability of something is so infinitely small and it actually happens, it means it weighs in the direction of what? Intentionality. You can't just say it's probability. You can't just say the, the Boeing 747 came about to be. You put rock, sand, metal on the floor and then over time it came together. There isn't enough time in the universe for it. That's the truth. You know, so when you think of all that, it's so, and this thing I just said in passing is something serious. You know, philosophers and, you know, physicists will tell you that they find you, they think that the things that came together for life to exist as we are. <laughs> when I got into medical school, I began to understand the, you know, lower levels of biochemistry and the physiology of human beings. Our existence, as you are working as a human being, your physiology is standing on a, is, live, is, um, is on a knife edge. The balance of your physiology is on a knife edge. Do you know what it takes for your blood as you are moving day in, day out for all your life? Not to just clot at a point and just give you a massive stroke, stroke and hemorrhage. Of course, it happens once in a while to some people. But do you know the kind of balance it takes for your blood not to clot in your body as you are walking about? <laughs> do you know the balance it takes? When you begin to learn about the way um, nerves work, you'll be amazed. As if that's not bad enough, let's go and talk, talk about the issue of consciousness. How does meat become conscious? How does meat become conscious? How do you put cells together and you say, okay, every, let's even say the cells came to be by accident, then those cells will now wake up, literally wake up and become alive and have intelligence, and have memory, and be able to do other things, and be able to create other things. How can a created thing that came to be by accident wake up and have consciousness? Consciousness is simple, so itself is something that is very difficult to define. You can't define it. Free consciousness, where you can choose to do and not do things, where you can remember things, where you can sit down and calculate. Meet, we will sit down and take a piece of paper and calculate the way rocks are moving in space and be correct. You will sit down and do a calculation, E equals MC square, and you will show that light, you know, light obviously does not have infinite speed and the gravity can bend light and you will use telescope and you will confirm it. Sit down and calculate it. How does that just happen by mistake? That is the reason why Apostle Paul with all his conviction and all the ancient writers will tell you, like he says Romans chapter 1, that see, all the things that are in the world is enough evidence for us to know that there's a creator. It takes some kind of serious bias. A serious bias. 
for you to look at all this and say the, it, it, for you, it means it supports that everything came by accident. It does not make sense. And the worst part is that these guys, that, that these guys always say are things that they don't even think of the implications of what they are saying. And that's one of the reasons why I always use this to knock knock down these funny arguments that people have on Twitter. And once that, once you just play that card, that is the end of the discussion. One of the discussions is that if we came to be by accident, one of the implications is what we call determinism. That means that you are just your brain is just firing. You don't really have consciousness. You are really just doing what your DNA makes you to do. That means you don't believe in free will. You believe that everything you are doing has been predetermined. So that means that even you that you are arguing that God is not real. It's your brain that is just telling you to argue. And me to my brain is just telling me to believe in God. So why are we arguing? <laughs> What's the point of the argument? That's one of the biggest don't think where you believe in the you believe in an atheist, you don't believe in God, then that means that you, are, you have to be a determinist. That means that you believe we are just like chimpanzees. We are just doing what we are just doing what our DNA is telling us to do. And if we are just doing what our DNA is telling us to do, then why are you angry that I believe in God? Why is it paining you? You do what your DNA tells you to do. I will do what my DNA is telling me to do. <laughs> One guy on Twitter, very funny guy, Andrew. Andrew says that if anybody ever tells you that there is no such thing as free will, tie the person down and start beating the person with a hammer until the person says stop and the person agrees that you can choose to beat him or not beat him. <laughs> you don't believe I have free will, have you? Yeah, tie him down. <laughs> Do I have free will or not? Can I stop or can I not stop? You can stop if you want. <laughs> you don't believe it's not free. You should tie the person down and beat the person till the person agrees that you can choose to stop or not. That you got your inconvenient things that people say. Say God does not exist, and so we're just robots, we're just doing what our DNA is telling. Why are you deceiving yourself? So the evidence is strong. The evidence is strong. That's why till tomorrow most human beings believe. In fact, there's a psychology, there's even a psychological uh, paper that actually shows that most children actually are born believing that God exists. Most children, like in Japan, 80s countries. They instinctively believe that there must be a God. It's as they grow up that their atheist societies now knock it out of them. Are we together? Are we together? So the evidence is strong. Natural theology gives us strong evidence. As if that's not enough. Don't forget we're addressing this first question that says that there's no evidence for God. The second evidence is that we have the scriptures. We have the scriptures. We have eyewitness testimonies that someone came, was born of a virgin, that he grew up, that he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cured the blind and the dumb, and he died, and he rose again. We have eyewitness testimonies of God's interactions with people. We have prophecies, sure word of prophecy that has been fulfilled over time. We have the scriptures. It is strong evidence. I cannot say yeah, some people said it, so you don't believe them. But everything in your life that you believe, you believed it because someone said it. Do you know that? Do you know your entire education is, is eyewitness testimony? Do you know that? Everything you were taught in school, you believe it because your teacher said so. If not, if all of us should say, I will not believe anything except I see it by myself. None of us will have any education today. 
Because that means that all your degree, you have to go back to the basics. In fact, from mathematics, proving the proving a simultaneous equation, you have to prove it for yourself to be sure it works. You will prove every single thing by yourself. Your life is not sustainable. Most of what we believe in our lives, we believe it based on what someone has said. Where do you want to do? You now want to say it's because it's, it's, it's the person, people, it doesn't make sense. As far as all the histories, hist historical um, um, litmus tests that you can use to check if something is a good record are concerned, the Bible is beyond reproach. The evidence is strong. The evidence is well corroborated by other historical facts. The evidence is good that, see, Jesus came and died and rose again. That is strong evidence. So what we mean, do you understand? So that idea that there is no evidence is completely useless. First of all, you cannot say there is no evidence except you have searched the whole world. Number two, there is actually evidence. So the truth is that that first one, that first um, question of saying there is no evidence is not common anymore. People don't say it as such because it doesn't really, just like you can see, it doesn't really make sense to say it. So what people say is a more sophisticated version of it. And what they say is that the, the evidence that is around is debatable. And if God exists, he should give us an evidence or a proof that is incontrovertible of his existence. Do you understand that? So they don't say that first one. What they usually say is the second one. They'll say, okay, we can argue about the, the evidence. But the truth is that because the evidence is debatable, then God is not good. Because if God was good, or if he even exists, what he should do is that he should give us some evidence that nobody can deny. Give us evidence that nobody can deny. We are, so, but that statement is a foolish statement. Do you know why? The, and this is the way I will respond to that, to that idea, that no evidence, that the evidence is debatable and it should give us evidence that cannot be denied. I'm going to say it like this. I, anybody, that, anybody that says such a thing should present, should give us a, an evidence that is better than the one that we have. If you say all the things that we see in the world, the fact that the world was created, the fine-tuning, human consciousness, scriptures, all the things that we see in the world is not strong evidence that they are debatable. Okay, give us an example of evidence or proof that is undeniable. Just try. Can anybody try an experiment? Give me, an, give me something that you feel is a proof that if God can give us, we will know that God exists for sure and we can never deny it. Tote, yeah, answer. Just think of one. He has proof. Show us. That will be proof that he exists, that nobody can deny Okay, so all of us, all over the world, is it once or always? Or once a year? Always. Good. Like, that's a good one. I love that. So, she said that one evidence that God can give us, that God can show us, that will be maximum proof that nobody can deny, is that we will always be hearing his voice. Whoa, I exist. I the universe. Jupiter, everybody. So, all over the universe, all of us will be hearing. I am God. I exist. He will be hearing it continuously, Abby. I am God, I exist. I am God, I exist. Good. Three things that will happen. You see the thing that makes our own evidence not good enough, it applies to that one. Do you know why? First thing I will show you. Number one, 
There is no reason why hearing God's voice loud woo, woo, all the time is still undeniable. It's still no proof that God exists. Do you know why? Number one, it could be there are many easy explanations. Number one, the explanation that I can even give you, and I'm not even so much sophisticated, is that the voice that all of us are hearing is a, is a result of our evolution. No, no. It's a result of our evolution. So we evolved to be hearing that sound. So that sound does not really mean there is a God. It's just we that are hearing a sound in our brains. It's a result of our evolution. It does not really mean that there is God. Can you argue against that? Can you? You can't, now. It's the same way we argue that um, we are seeing blue, not because the sky is really blue, but because that's the way it reveals itself to us. <laughs> so the sound could just be, it does not prove that there is God. It could actually just mean that, um, that that's what we evolved to be hearing. All of us have a joint hallucination. It's just a part of our nature. It's just who we are. There's a sound we used to hear. It does not really mean there's God. That's number one. Oh, yeah, you want to add to it? They should come out talking. Ah, that's simple now. There's a mutation now. Coronavirus happened. And then all the babies came out talking. Now it does not mean that God exists now. That means all the babies come out talking from next year. That could just be a mutation. Yes. Oh, it's a joint. Something is going on. Just like children that grew up saying they believe in God. It's just something that children think. As they grow up, we have to correct it from their brain. Uh-huh. Ha, good. That is even, I'm coming to that one. That's even the, that one is a good one. So this first one, another part is that if we are hearing a voice from God all the time, it does not mean that the God is still alive. It could mean that the God did something and he died. Yes. And the thing is still happening. You know what? If that God is talking up to date news in our head, eh, that is even the more reason why you should believe that there's no God. Because if it is common to all of us, and all of us are hearing it up to date news, then that means that all of us just have psychic powers. It does not mean there's God. Do you understand? It does not mean there's God. It just means that all of us have psychic powers. That's the first thing, right? Number two. It does not also mean that there is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus in particular. It could be Obatala. It could be Zeus. It could be Apollo. It could be Krishna. It could be Thor. It does not mean that it is Jesus, the Lord of our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. Even if he says, it is me, the Father of our Lord Jesus. He could say, okay, he's Father of our Lord Jesus. But the Father of our Lord Jesus is among 20 gods. He's the one that is the announcer God. There are 19 others that don't talk, but he's the only one that talks. Am I lying? Yes, sure. <laughs> what do you want to see? With us now. It's not we human beings. We are the ones now. <laughs> and it, the excuse will not even be hard. It will be easy. If Jesus can die, rise again, and many people saw him, over 500 people saw him, and all of them wrote it, and all of them changed mouths before they died. None changed mouths. They were tricking them, fire, boiling them, hanging them on cross. All of them say, we saw him die and resurrect. You still say you don't believe them. Who do you want to believe? The third thing, and which brings me to the example that this one brought, that says God should be firing everybody that does not believe in him, is that it does not also mean that people will not be angry with the God, because the God will be annoying. That's what you don't think of. 
Because it does not even mean, you may even believe that, okay, there is one God that exists, but the God is annoying. I want to ask you something now, as a Christian. If somehow someone proves today that there is a spirit called Ifa that tries to tell our ancestors the way to go, will you worship him? If someone proves now that there is a spirit called Ifa in a convincing way to you, that there is a spirit called Ifa, it's not God, there is Ifa and he's the one that has to tell our ancestors what to do, will you worship him? Exactly. <laughs> so even if you somehow convince everybody that you are fine, everybody does not believe in you. You know what will happen? Now, hold on. Do you know what will happen? You just say, ah, which can't use less God be this one? Why go to keep person because not believing in by force? What's in the worry yourself? Which can't use less God be this one? <laughs> Do you understand that? So this idea of there's no incontrovertible evidence that there is, there is not, as long as human beings are conscious human beings made in his image with the ability to do good and evil, there is no such thing as incontrovertible evidence. you know how much bad this thing is? It's where does annoying to philosophy? Let me bust your head. Prove that you are not, as you are right now, you are not sleeping, and this is not a dream. Prove it. It's what they call solipsism. If I'm telling you now, that your brain is actually in a pot. Me scientists are probing it, and everything you are seeing is a result of that hallucination, that they are testing your brain. Aliens on a ship are testing your brain, and all that you are seeing is, is, is a hallucination. Prove that it's not true. How can you prove it's not true? Do you understand? Which other one do you want to bring? Okay, you don't understand. He does, see, I say, it still doesn't solve your problem. Number one, you're hallucinating. Number two, the angels are demons, they're evil spirits. Let me shock you. Scandinavia, in Scandinavia countries, those people are mostly atheists. I saw a study recently that actually shows that a very high percentage, like 40 or 50% of them, actually believe in pixies and fairies, but they don't believe in God. Ah, you now show angels flying. They might get the Shango worship and the views. Yeah, Shango here. That's Ifa. That is Obatala now. Those are the spirits of the gods. That's what you see. It doesn't change anything. There is no such thing as an incontrovertible evidence. <laughs> what does ever look like? <laughs> what does ever look like? <laughs> you just see streets of good and all of us can see it. Yes, now. It doesn't solve anything. You don't see all of us are hallucinating. There's always a good explanation that because, see, there's always a good explanation. Do you know why? Because evidence is a matter of how your mind receives it. So the first issue is your mind. If someone can say that the way complex DNA came to be was by accident, that there was hot soup, hot water, and there was iron inside, and there was amino acids inside, even the amino acids themselves, how did the atoms agree and come together? Say they were inside the hot soup and then... They join together. Before you know, they join, 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 join. After join, 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 join. They now join and join and bring me the cell. And that cell now started evolving and started spreading and And the next thing you know, all the by everything by accidents. Accident. This is just mistake, mistake. Happening by mistake, 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 mistake. Mistake was just happening. Mistake was just happening. Mistake was just happening. No, till human beings came out of it. Everything was just mistake. Till human beings from the Big Bang till now. Everything was a series of unfortunate events. 
and it's enough, it is enough for you to accept that there's no intentionality behind it. Trust me, nothing. That's nothing you want to bring. Why are you looking at the screen like that? There are people online. Number one, they are from a God. It does not mean I accept their God. It, they are from a God. I mean, look at Jesus. People said, or, let me ask like this. Those superhumans, are they going to be existing all the time or they will exist at a time and die? Is that of the two? If they are existing right now, it does not make them any better than Superman to me. Spider-Man, they are Superman, they are Spider-Man, they are from a God. So what? Well, does that mean I should worship him? Why does that mean I have to worship him? It does not mean I have to worship him. It does not mean I have to believe in him. In fact, I can say they are lying. They are lying because there's no scientific proof of it. They are using their power to harass us. They are lying. It's simple. And that's the worst is even if they now died worse. And they don't exist again. They will just be like Jesus. I said there are some people that are proving today that Jesus never existed. I saw a song tweeted this week. Not be saying anything. I saw someone tweeting that Jesus never existed. That the book of the Bible was just some people concocting it. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Like, Jesus never existed? Really? What else? Is there any other good stuff there? That's all. There is no evidence that is incontrovertible. There's no evidence that is incontrovertible. Are we together? So that is the logical. So really and truly, if you look at, if you think of it in in, in the whole in the whole context, I believe very strongly that the evidence that we have from nature and the evidence of Scripture are the strongest kind of evidence that you can ever have for the purpose that God has in mind for humanity. I don't think it can be stronger than that. I really don't think it can be better. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Do you know that there are some people that argue? They can't deny the fact that the disciples saw Jesus resurrect. Their argument is that there was a joint hallucination. Did you know that? Yeah. There are people that believe that the apostles had a joint hallucination concerning the resurrection of Jesus. How you won't run them? How you won't run that kind of thing? See, all of us, over 500 people had hallucination and saw Jesus resurrect. How, how far? Hallelujah. Are we together? All right. But really, what's more important than what we're really doing today is that we're going to look at what the scripture actually says about this issue of whether God should show himself more or not. Hallelujah. And the first thing that you need to know is this. And I need to really listen on this, on this question of divine hiddenness and all that. Um, are there any more comments there? Okay. Um, one of the first things that you need to know about this issue of divine hiddenness is that there's one underlying mistake that are people who ask this question that they have made in their minds. Another mistake is, the number one mistake is that they assume that God's plan or God's aim, God's target is just to reveal himself so that people can know he exists. It's obvious that because that's why this question comes from a particular culture and is a culture, is a Western culture thing. It's still a Western culture thing. Because they assume that God's plan is just for you to know that he exists. When people are arguing, they prove that God exists. They are making, they're arguing like from as if the whole point of everything is just to prove that God exists. But that's not the point of everything. 
Let's go from the beginning where we started from, Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3. Did Adam and Eve not know that God existed? But were they not sent out of the Garden of Eden? Did they not lose their fellowship with God? Did they not know that God existed? And so what makes you think that God's purpose is for us to just know he exists? God's purpose is not just for us to know he exists. God's plan, his aim, why the kind of evidence he's giving is towards another end. It's not just for you to know he exists. It's for you to enter a saving relationship with him. So that you can be in his image and then you can have a fellowship with him. That's what God's aim is. God's aim is not to make you know he exists. Because the best that can do is that you will just know that he exists. It does not mean you will worship him. It's highly probable that if I exist, if I, I'm sure if I exist, if I cannot worship if I. I'm sure if I is a demon or some kind of familiar spirit or something. Possible. Could also be that it's maybe people's image, whatever. But it means that I'm not to come not down for worshiping Ifa. I'm worshiping Jesus, the Son of Yahweh, the Lord God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Are we together? Look at something. James chapter 2. Verse 19. You believe that there is God. Good. Clap for yourself. But even demons believe and they what? Shudder or they tremble. God's aim cannot be that just for you to believe that God exists. Even demons believe and they tremble. Did you hear that? Did you see that? Eh? So, the idea of making people just know that God exists, the best it will do is to get you to become a demon or to be like demons. Satan believes that God. Satan is not an atheist. Sure you know. So God's plan is not just to say he's not making you an atheist anymore. That's not his plan. His plan is something else. His plan is for you to come into a saving relationship with him. Therefore, the way he will go about it cannot be by giving you evidence like shouting into your ear, giving you a vision and putting himself in the sky and killing all those that don't believe in him. That's not, that will not work because that's not his plan. His plan is something else. And what is his plan? To get you to love him. That is the reason why you don't love Buhari just because his picture is hanging in every office. Have you seen, you see Buhari's picture hangs in your banks and in every corporate office. Because of the picture that's hanging, do you love Buhari? Does that picture make you love him? That's what people are thinking. That God should hang his picture like the president in every office and in every bank so that we can know he exists. But that's not what God's plan is. Where is if I, the picture can be annoying you the more safe, that the more you see his face, the angrier you will be. No, that's not his plan. His plan is something deeper. Look at the Israelites. Exodus chapter 32. <laughs> Very interesting story. Exodus chapter 32 from verse 1. So Moses had given them the Ten Commandments and he was on a mountain. Because it now says, it now says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. 
Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wife, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Then he took what they had handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Can you imagine? Parting the Red Sea, seeing God on Mount Sinai, all those things. Because Moses is not around for how many days, you now say, is this golden calf that brought you out of Egypt? That's what I was telling you. There's no evidence that you give that someone will not say it's a golden calf that is doing it. Did you see that? After all that God had done for these people, brought water out of rock, everything, they still said it's a golden calf that brought them out of Egypt. You can see that their judgment was just. Do you see that? So, and that's why the Israelites are a case study in the fact that God is not willing to bring people to himself by just showing them external miracles because it does not work. That's why you see in the New Testament, there's a new emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting it us in our hearts. So that means that Buari is not just going to hang his picture. He's not hanging his picture so that you can believe that he exists. Buari is coming into your house. He's coming into your life to have a relationship with you and talking to you. Revealing himself to you in a way that you will have a fellowship with him. To travel together. Do you understand that? So you must first understand that God is not trying to play games of prove. Because they think that God is a human being like, like you. I want to prove that I exist too. I'm going to show myself as if God is your mate. No. Hallelujah. So travel together. So travel together. The second thing that you need to know that the Bible tells us is that the fact that God has given us the gift of his image whereby we have our volition and we have our wills and we have our intellect has, is the reason why no evidence that we ever give that can ever be given can be incontrovertible. Do you understand that? No evidence that is ever given it can be incontrovertible. Do you know why? Because God has given us a mind. Acts chapter 26. Let me show you what Paul said here. Acts chapter 26. From verse 12. On one of my journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of a chief priest about noon. About, about noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goods. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. 
Do you see that? Paul tells us something. You see that kind of manifestation? Where Jesus appeared to you like this? Paul still said, I was not what? Disobedient. How many people have seen God and were disobedient to it? We don't know. Paul tells us that you can see this vision and still disobey it. You can see this vision and tell yourself, I, the sun was too hot. I had a heat stroke, so I was hallucinating. Isn't it? That's what you can tell yourself. Saul could have told himself, I had a moment of lapse in judgment. Another scholar could have said, it's PTSD that was worrying Saul. And he fell down and broke his head. Or he fell down and broke his head and had a bad time. Another person could say it's PTSD, guilty conscience. They had been killing so many Jews and it was in his subconscious and it erupted to the surface and made him to start sympathizing with them. All kinds of things could have been said. But you know what Paul said? Paul said I was not disobedient to this vision. That means there is no evidence that cannot be denied. There is no evidence. <laughs> Let me show you one interesting one. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. It's the story of the rich, rich man and Lazarus. So we'll read it, we'll read it so that you can, you can really appreciate the story. So verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things. While Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Then he answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them. So that they will not also come to this place of torment. So even in hell, the guy had love for his family. Isn't that cute? And Abraham replied. For, listen, listen, see what Abraham said. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will what? Repent. Verse 31, he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced. Even if someone does what? Rises from the dead. It's as if Jesus knew. Exactly. Volition determines intellection. Your will determines how you reason. Even if someone rises from the dead, they will not what? Believe. Guess what? Someone rose from the dead. Did they believe the person? <laughs> people said that someone rose from the dead. Many people attested. Did they believe the person? Let me get, tell you something. The people that were even alive during this time, 
that saw that his body was nowhere to be found. They cooked up a story to prove that he could not have risen from the dead. Let me give you the one that we won't bust your head. John chapter 11. John chapter 11. This one will even bust your head. John chapter 11. Look at verse 45. This is, this, is what, this is what happened after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You know the story of Lazarus, right? When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, look at what happened after. Therefore, verse 45, <clears throat> Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priest and the Pharisees called the meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is the man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and take, both, take away both our temple and our nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. This guy raised someone from the dead with their eyes. And you know what? Because of that, they now wanted to kill him. That did not make them believe he was the Messiah. All the things that Jesus did on the earth, they still killed him. They still didn't believe he was the Messiah. So there is no such thing as incontrovertible evidence. Do you know why? Because volition precedes intellection. Let me explain something to you briefly here, and I hope that the Lord will help me to explain it well. Do you know why we believe the things we believe? What makes you believe the things you believe? Why does, why does a man believe his wife, love him, wife loves him? Did he test it in a lab? Exactly. And he believes it because his wife has done some things to him over the time. And his mind is okay with the explanation that the explanation for what she's doing is that she loves him. But have you seen some, women, some men that their wives are loving them, yet for some reason they just believe their wives are cheating on them? Everything the wife does, they will say it's because she's cheating on me. She's trying to cover up the fact that she's cheating on me. She's actually cheating on me. No matter how much the woman loves them, they will just believe that the woman is cheating on them. Why do people believe? Why do people believe what they believe? Why would one man look at the evidence of his wife doing good things for him and believe his wife loves him? Another man will look at it and say his wife is using it to pretend that she's cheating on him. What's the difference? You will now say things like, maybe the guy that believes that his wife is cheating on him is because he has had bad experiences in the past that is making, that is clouding the way he thinks and all those things. Do you understand? But this is the very interesting thing that people don't know. What we believe the things that we choose to believe are the things that our minds find satisfying. Things that satisfy our minds. Things that sound okay to us. Things that sound meaningful to us. That's what we usually end up believing. But guess what? The things that we find meaningful to us, why, do they, why are they meaningful to our minds in particular? Guess what? It's usually because of the, as a result of the kind of desires that we have. If you have desires in a particular direction, anything that aligns with your desires will be satisfying to your mind and you're likely to believe it. That's why when you are young and you want to be having sex in college and someone tells you there's a God that does not want you to commit fornication and then there's evolution that says that everything just came about to be by mistake, guess the one you believe? 
Exactly. So, the kind of desires that you have, right, is the one that shapes what your mind will find satisfying. And it's what your mind finds satisfying that you believe as the explanation for things. That's why a crooked-minded person, a bitter person, will not be satisfied with the explanation that his wife wrote. Meanwhile, a naive person, an innocent person, someone with a pure heart, whatever little you do for them, they will see it as evidence that you love them. That's the reason I always tell people when you want to enter a relationship. The more you do relationship, the worse you get. Relationship is the only thing that practice makes worse. Do you hear I just said now? Relationship is the only thing that practice makes you worse. It doesn't make you perfect. It makes you worse. Do you know why? Because every time you expose yourself to someone in an intimate relationship, you are packing on baggage that is wounding your mind such that it will continue to skew the way you think of things. So that one now that believes that his wife is cheating on him, even though his wife is not cheating on him, is because he has exposed his mind to some nonsense things that makes him see the evidence in that particular way. And the only funny thing about it is that even your desires, eh, they become your desires because you let them be. Because you fed certain appetites. For example, the appetite for sex. You feed it and feed it so much that you now become very addicted to sex. And because you're addicted to sex, someone now tells you that fornication is not good. Your response is to deny it. Someone puts two explanations in front of you. Your mind will gravitate in the direction of the explanation that is convenient or aligns with what your desires. Guess what I'm saying to you? That's why I say that the explanation of looking at all the things in nature and say everything just happened by accident is, this, is proof that the mind has been aligned in a certain direction. It's usually resentment or something else. Church, do you get that? So it's very, very important that you understand that, that there is nothing like introvertible evidence. There is nothing that God can do. Have you not, I've, the story of which Wale always talks about, a Muslim woman that came to church and she was crippled. She got healed. Gave her testimony in church and went back to her Islam. Countless times, how many of you in your lives, you knew that there was a time when something bad was about to happen or there was an issue and you prayed to God and God showed up. And at that point, you were like, God, there's nobody like you. Ha, God, how can you do this for me? I mean, God, there's nobody like you. And then one year later, when something bad happens, you say, God, what kind of God does this? Is there even a God? <laughs> how many times has that happened to us? How many times? How many times? Have you noticed that your testimonies are getting harder and harder to remember as you grow older? No matter what God does to you, it's just a matter of time. You'll forget. You'll forget. <laughs> so there's no such thing as incontrovertible evidence. This is the third thing that God has to say about this issue. And this is where the matter is. And the third thing, and this is just the most important thing, is that is this. Anybody that is seeking God, God will reveal himself to you. If you are looking for God, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus that left Judea and went to um, Phoenicia to meet that Syrophoenician woman, Jesus that will send an angel to appear to Cornelius all the way in his room where he is, 
if you are seeking God, he will show himself to you. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 16. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly what? seek him. If you earnestly seek God, he will reward you. You will find him. So all this talk of God training himself in the sky is beside the point. It does not solve the problem. The real thing that will solve your problem, what you really need, is for God to reveal himself to you the way he received himself to Paul. That is what you need. But if you want God to reveal himself to you, you have to earnestly seek him. You have to actually sit down and say, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. And it is not the God that wants to reveal yourself to me as if you are testing him. That if you exist, show yourself to me. It doesn't work. I'll show you why, but let's just go on. Second Chronicles chapter 15. Over and over and over, we see it in the scriptures. God will reveal himself to those that seek him. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. The Spirit of God came on an Azariah, the son of Oded. He went out to meet Asher and said to him, Listen to me, Asher and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. All these guys that will be saying, I looked for God, but God did not appear. It's a lie. It's a lie. Recently, Jordan Peterson's daughter said she heard the voice of God, that she now believes in God. Because she said she was actually looking for God, and a voice came to her and said, well, how did she say she said it? That she should go all in or something like that. That she could not deny that it was God. You can't. If you are genuinely looking for God, you will find him. He will come to you. You take these scriptures, you take this Bible, read the book of John, read the epistles, read the gospel accounts, and you say God will not reveal himself to you. It's a lie. It's a lie. God will reveal himself to anyone who actually seeks him. That is the evidence you need. If God does not reveal himself to you personally, even if he shows himself in the sky, like a picture of Buari in the bank, it does not solve your problem. It doesn't. Anyone that seeks him, you will find him. And anyone that forsakes him will not see him. Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 12. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Guys, you say, I prayed to God for two weeks and God did not reveal himself to me. And that's how I knew that God does not exist. Someone was told me that. It's not a major atheist influencer. That's what he told me. He said, there was a time that I, was need, I just needed God to reveal himself to me. And I gave him two weeks ultimately. <laughs> See, if you give God, the creator of the universe, two weeks ultimately to reveal himself to you, and he shows up, just know it's not God that showed up. Just know it's in me that showed up to you. You will give the God of the universe two weeks ultimatum. Show yourself to me in two weeks. 
or I'm not believing in you again. Uh, is he what are you doing? Is he him you are doing? So I give you two weeks ultimatum. And him too will now show up and I say, please, sorry, sir, I've showed up before the ultimatum was over so that you will not be angry. Please, sir, I've showed up. Is that one seeking? He's looking for his pet um, genie. He's looking for his find the idol in the corner room that he will go and pour oil on his head. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for the God that he will submit to. Imagine you calling a God that should show himself within two weeks and he shows himself, will you worship that God? After the next thing, you say, I give you two weeks to give me a laptop. And yes. I, I give you two weeks. I'm having marital problems. The same way you showed yourself within two weeks, I give you two weeks to solve my marital problems. If you don't solve it, I'll deal with you. <laughs> Let God be God. <laughs> I mean, even Jesus, they say you should throw yourself up from the top because God will tell God what to do. Tell God what to do. Tell God that if you jump, he must catch you. Say, ah, do you know who you are talking to? I should jump and be telling God that he must catch me or else. Is it God that talking to us or if I? Even if I said, you know, they tell if I or else. You can't even tell Satan or else. You can't even tell 30 or else. <laughs> you can't tell your three-year-old daughter, do something or else, or else what? Why are you mad? You know, say, God, show yourself within two weeks or else. Or else what? I just used to laugh when I remember that thing the guy said. He said, show yourself or else. Who are you talking to? Who, where do you think you are? <laughs> Psalms chapter 9. Verse 10. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I know this without any doubt. I know this without any doubt. Me that I joined medical school and I started asking questions. It was a bar it was barrage on my heart then. I joined medical school, medical school in UI, and then I stand and start you know, introducing to the theory of evolution and all those things. And I remember this, um, you know, one of our um, anatomy, neuroanatomy professors, he's a neurosurgeon, he came to talk about the human brain and the anatomy of the human brain. And he used evolution from when we were reptiles to the avian to mammals and all that to describe how the human brain evolved. And that's, it also follows the same way. We have a hind brain, a mid brain, and a forebrain. And so it was like amazing. And it was just very convincing stuff. I was now watching series like House and Big Bang, Big Bang Theory that they're always abusing God. You know, so I was asking your questions that, are we sure that there is a God like this? Are we sure? And I'll go to fellowship. I'll be going to fellowship, but in my mind, I'll be like, mm, mm, this thing we are doing, this. I'm not joking. When I go to fellowship, if I was a pop scene or pastor, people say, no, let God be God in Jesus' name. When my mind, like, mm, psychology. This psychology is heavy. It's endorphins. It's endorphins that people are having. It's, it's, it's. Do you know what converted me? Jehovah Witness. There was one Jehovah Witness guy, 600 level. The guys who come to Kuti every time. I was in um, 100 level there. 200 level. Can't remember. He would come and preach. The guy just brought some stuff about the book of Daniel. How the book of Daniel prophesied things that happened before it happened. I said, ah! I looked at it here. Yeah. This guy actually prophesied this to you. How did he know? Ah, no, there is, this is not normal. <laughs> this is not normal. <laughs> and that's where my heart opened up from. Again. That's where my heart opened up again. That this confidence came back. 
how will someone prophesy how the entire world will go from you know from Greek from um, Medes and Persians to Greek to Romans how you go do but you run that kind of prophecy prophesy everything in detail like that and run everything say ah one more it's not a serious thing you know Look at other prophecies in the Bible that came to pass. Say, ah, oh, this, this is supernatural. And that's when I was saved from naturalism. That's how God saved me from the idea of there's no supernatural things. All together. If you are sincerely seeking, you will find. Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Matthew chapter 7. We'll, we'll just end here. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will what? Find. Knock and the door will be what? Open to you. This is what Jesus this is, Jesus gives you this assurance. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I believe God's word over you. You cannot tell me that you sought God and God did not reveal himself to you. I believe God, I don't believe you. I believe Jesus, I don't believe you. Because I've seen it. People have testified. People that they don't even have Bible. They will just be somewhere in Iraq, Iran, and they will just pray that God, if you are the real God, this Islam is not working for me. If you are the real God, show yourself to me and Jesus show, show himself to you. And they've never read the Bible before. Go to China, you hear all kinds of things. Jesus showing up to people in their rooms. You will now carry the Bible, read the scriptures and say, God did not reveal himself to you. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Let me show you what made the problem of many people. John chapter 7. Let me show you something. John chapter 7. This is what the problem of many people is that they don't realize. John chapter 7 verse 1. After this, Jesus went, in, Jesus went around Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because of the Jewish leaders. They were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee, go to Judea, so that your disciples may see the works you do. No one who wants to come become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Did you see that? His own brothers did not believe in him. James and Jude that ended up writing books in the Bible. See James that abusing everybody. You don't have faith. You did not believe in Jesus before. <laughs> After Jesus died and Jesus revealed himself to him. Say, said, I'm sorry. Do you know what it takes for you to believe that your brother is God? Imagine Joseph now say he's God. What will you say? <laughs> exactly. Your brother now comes and says that he's God. He's God. That he's God in the flesh. I am. You're like, are you mad? If you don't get the... You're right. You say, you say now, you know, all of a sudden, that's one of the places that scholars always used to use. The fact that Jesus' two brothers believed in him that he was God. 
and became apostles is proof that Jesus resurrected. Because nothing can make somebody believe that his yeah. brother is God except the person rises from the dead. As you will see the person, you will bury the person. The person will rise up and come to your room and say, ah, no, you are God. You are God. <laughs> nothing else can make someone believe his brother is God. Nothing. This is one of the things that Christ will tell you that, see, Jesus died and he rose again. If you don't believe, well, I'll explain how his brothers believed he was God. Now, so, is it like that they used to believe that someone's brother is, believes in, is God? Is it like, like that? Explain it. Scholars will be saying, um, well, um, well, um, well, um, well, um, well, explain it. How can someone's brother believe he's God? Explain. Hallelujah. You see, this? he said, for even his own brothers did not believe. The brothers were now taunting, say, you should go and, go and show yourself now. Nah. Go and show yourself in public that you know that you can do all this so that you can be very popular. Look at what Jesus said to them. Verse 6. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For any, for you, for you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that it works are what? Evil. You go to the festival. I am going up to this festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet what? Fully come. Do you see what Jesus said here? He said, I'm not going to that place because they hate me. One of the reasons why Jesus has not revealed himself to you is because you hate Jesus. God, I just said that. You cannot be angry in your mind at Jesus. Jesus, if you are real, why is there suffering in this world? Jesus, if you are real, why do you say I cannot fornicate with that girl that I like? <laughs> Jesus, if you are real, why do I have to go to church? Jesus, if you are real, why are you doing this? Why are you do that? You now say, Jesus, show yourself to me so that I can believe in you. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a caricature of the posture of your heart. This is what your heart looks like. You are angry with God. Say, God, eh, I don't have money. I'm broke. I'm feeling bad now. I don't have a job for the past one year. I'm angry. God, if you are real, show yourself because I'm angry right now. Something's about to happen right now. <laughs> with your mouth like Lassisi. Something's about to happen right now, God. I'm broke now. If you don't show yourself to me, you know what Jesus said? My time has not come. You need to stew very well. You need to marinate. cook. <laughs> you need to marinate very well. When your eye has come down and you have clear, we can now have a conversation. When your eye has cleared, that's when we can now have a conversation. You can't be threatening Jesus. That's why people say, hey, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Jesus not even said, so it's a lie. What was the state of your heart when you were praying? Were you earnestly seeking? Were you earnestly seeking? God is not your mate. You can decide to choose and go the way of atheism and have a meaningless life. A life that has no purpose. A life that has no morality. A life that has no origin. It has no destiny. You just go to live and die like a chimpanzee. You can believe your life like that. But if you want to have, a, if you want to have meaning in your life, real meaning, not fake meaning, that you make up for yourself to make yourself feel good. See, I'm making meaning for myself. Not like I'm making meaning for yourself. A phone cannot wake up and decide that this is what I want to be used for. It's the person that made the phone that will tell the phone what it's going to be used for. You say, let's make meaning for ourselves. What do you mean by make meaning for yourself? What does that even mean? How can you make meaning for yourself? Something actually either has meaning or it has no meaning. Let's make meaning out of our lives. 
let's let's create good societies to make our life meaningful. The other societies that are creating for your life is so meaningful, it does not mean anything. Because that person will come and tell you that the, the kind of meaning that he wants in his own life is that Jews are not meant to exist. That's his own meaning. Jews are not meant to exist. We're meant to purify our genes so that our genes can be very strong. The more we, we mingle with Jews, our genes are deteriorating. And the guy, do you know the reason why Hitler lost that war? Do you know why? Say no now. Uh -huh. The reason is because Hitler actually believed his own hype. He was not faking it. He was not a leader that was just getting people to do stuff. He actually believed it. He actually believed that his genes were superior. And that his people were superior. And that there is no war they cannot win. In the beginning of the war, it helped them to win. Then they now started making stupid decisions. Like marching to Russia in the middle of winter. We want to go to Russia. We are the Aryan race. We are going to Russia inside winter. All, by the time they got to Russia, all their nose, all their guinea guinea, their ears, everything has fallen off. He actually believed it. And that gave him a sense of meaning and purpose. You now say in an atheist world where there is no God. Why is his own sense of meaning wrong? Why is your own better than his own? Is it not survival of the fittest? In the jungle, don't you kill the animals that are weaker? And if you are succeeding in the war, that means that that's the proof that you are the strongest and you are the fittest and meant to survive. Prove Hitler wrong, oh atheists. Prove him wrong. You can't. Atheism has nothing to offer anybody. It doesn't have anything to offer you. Last, last, you say you are having sex when you are young and all that, but you will grow up, you will calm down, your libido will crash. By then, you will have made a lot of mistakes, injured yourself, injured many people's hearts, put yourself in all kinds of problems. In your later age, you will now start going through all kinds of stupid things. You will, use, you will be addicted to pleasure, thinking pleasure can solve your, your depression. You will get to the point where there is no amount of pleasure you have. It can never be enough. You will now start risking other things. Risking higher kinds of pleasure, things that you believe will bust you into new realms of pleasure that will help you to forget your problems, but they will not work. They will not work. After everything, you now say life is meaningless, I'm committing suicide. Atheism does not have anything to offer anybody. This fad, this fad that the West is bringing, and our people are also beginning to adopt. You've been Lagos for minutes. And your uncle is in the village doing babalawo work. You are in Lagos forming atheist. And your parents are in the village fighting against witches and wizards. It does is a fact that should not please him. Let it be let, let those that their ancestors have enjoyed plenty of money. Let them be the ones to be arguing that there's no God. You that we are still soft, let's, let's just behave ourselves in this Nigeria. Let's just hold on to our God. <laughs> let's just behave ourselves. Let's just hold on to our God. Say Christianity has done. Maybe we'll address that next week Wednesday, and then I think we'll address that next week Wednesday. Things like if Christianity is true, why are there so many denominations and churches have done so many evil because of that? I don't believe in all those things are just excuses. You will confess it's rubbish excuse. We'll talk about it next week Wednesday. All those things don't mean anything. It's, 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 um, because uh, I bought a uh, bad laptop twice, that means there's no good laptop in the world. Because it's somebody in computer village sold a fake phone to me. That means there is no real life phone anywhere. That makes sense. What do you do? You need to look for money to buy the real one. Mm. 
Wait before where they sell the original one. You not say that because of that. I'm not going to church again. One pastor abused me when I was small. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not, on the, I'm not damaging people's suffering. People must have gone through some bad stuff with some churches. I know some churches are nasty. Me if I know. I'm going to judge all of them. That's one of the reason why Christianity is good. Another reason why Christianity is good is that under it is in people that do bad things. What's it jello? Ah, what's in Christianity? No, be so. <laughs> you do anyhow. You see any All of you on Judgment Day, everybody is going to receive according to his works. That pastor that abused him when you were small, Philae. Let Philae, let him be doing it. He will meet God in front. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? That's not what I'm saying to you. So really, if you are searching God, you will find him. So this question of if God is real is not an issue. If God is real, he should do is a lie. He's a lie. You are looking for his awawi. He's awawi. My people say he's awawi. You are looking for something to talk. We know the. You are looking for something to talk. You know make sense. Nothing like if God is real, show yourself. You got nothing like that. If you God is real, God exists. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He is. He is, and He will always be. And all of us are going to meet Him one day, whether I like it or not. In heaven, on Judgment Day, there's no atheist. I hope you know. Atheist is only now. There's atheist too. There's no atheist on Judgment Day. That's why even demons are no atheists. You don't know. Even demons, Satan is not an atheist. On Judgment Day, there will be no atheist. You know what Jesus said? You know what Papa Paul says? Hey, on that day, every knee will bow and every tongue will what? confess. That was Jesus is Lord. On Judgment Day, there will be no atheist. Be enjoying yourself now because you, because you want to be doing rubbish up and down. Be enjoying yourself. Don't worry. Your atheism is temporary. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? And I hope this you know, has strengthened someone. I hope this makes someone understand these things better. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at This Excellent Church. God bless you.